talk uh, and continue from last Sunday. We talked about walking carefully, children walking carefully. Today, we're going to talk about walking as light, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, take your Bible and turn there. Don't stand yet, uh, we'll stand in just a minute. I be- ended last week's message with this thought. I hope it didn't offend any of you, but it was this thought. What do you do if you're at work or you're with a group of friends and somebody tells an immoral joke? Or, guys, if you're at work or even ladies and someone pulls out an immoral magazine and wants you to look at it, wants you to see uh, what's in the magazine, how do you respond to that? What, what should you say? How do you react to that situation? That's what Paul helps us to address this morning in our text. And we should respond in a certain way. Unfortunately, however, uh, the church has gone to two extremes. We respond poorly in both of those. And we'll get into that in just a minute. We have some principles laid out for us. Paul does not get specific about this, about how you respond to immorality, but he certainly gives us some guidelines about how a person should walk in as light in a dark world. Now let's stand and read Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Paul writes, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray you do that this morning. Shine on every heart in this place. Give us courage and boldness to walk as children of light. Teach us how to do that from your word today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, the church seems to have taken uh, polar opposites in this approach to walking as children of light. One of the (coughs) effects of that is that we try to become all things to all men. And therefore we try to reach everyone that we possibly can by any means that we can. And we end up, unfortunately, compromising the gospel when you take that full approach. Yes, we are to become all things to all men, but we certainly do not compromise our biblical beliefs, our biblical standard given to us by the Lord Himself. And when we do that, then we are offending Him. And that's not ever our goal, was to offend the Lord in trying to witness to someone. But at the same time, taking that approach, we neglect biblical standards of morality. 
and we think, well, I'm only going to do this with them this once, or I'm only going to say this this once, or I'm only going to act like this way this one time, and then we end up erring biblically the other way, because we certainly want would not want to offend our friends or our family by upholding our biblical standard in front of them and speaking out against them. Russell, could you turn off these maybe? Thank you. And so, with that, we have to be careful about how we live and speak in front of people by taking that approach. To become like them so much that we could witness to them we err in biblical standards. The other approach is that we are going to disconnect ourselves from the world and we're not going to be any part of it. We're not going to act, look, behave, talk, dress. And we end up disconnecting from the world. A good example of that would be the Amish. Okay, They did not want to assimilate in society. They did not want to become like society, so they disconnected from society. And therefore, they become an oddity, culturally. We watch them on the news. We even watch them on TV. We really don't know much about them because that's their goal. They want to disconnect from the world. And therefore, they have lost their impact on the world. So you either become like the world in trying to witness to them, and unfortunately, that's the way the church has gone. Or you disconnect so much from the world that you lose your impact in the world. That's where the church has gone. Somewhere in the middle of that, Jesus lived. Right smack dab in the middle, exactly. And he said and taught us about it. He gave us a well-balanced approach to this. We read it in John 17, his prayer to God about us. He said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so as you and I try to live like Jesus in a dark world, there is a balance that you and I must maintain, a balance that we must have in our life. We don't want to go out of the world, and we don't want to become like the world. And Jesus gives us that hope right there in that verse that we read. What's the key to that verse? Being sanctified in God's Word. Being cleansed. Being set apart in God's Word from the world. That is the key to that. God's Word is truth. And therefore, we can walk as children of light in the truth of God. And when we do that, we begin to expose the deeds of darkness that we read in our text. Light and darkness. That's a, be, uh, a theme in the Bible, is it not? From the very beginning, light and darkness. God created light out of darkness. Amen? We read that in the creation experience. And so it's been a theme throughout the Scriptures. Darkness is always indicating Satan's domain. The, the lack of the knowledge of God. That is where Satan dwells in, in the dark. Those who are blinded from the truth of God are blinded by Satan and they live in the dark. Look back a chapter in your Bible. 
You may not even have to turn the page, but chapter 4 and verse 17. Look at that with me. It says there, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. He's not calling them stupid. He's calling them they don't know. So darkness and light have a a sense of being without knowledge as well. Being without knowledge. I want to show you a, a verse that light is knowledge. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, And even if our gospel is veiled, even if our gospel is covered up, it is covered up to those who are perishing, in whose case the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan blinds this world, holds them in darkness, keeps them from knowing God, blinds them to the truth about God. The Bible says that God is light. He dwells in unapproachable light. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It goes on to say this about knowledge in the next couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let let light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you and I are called to walk as light. Amen? We are not to be in the darkness. We are not to walk in darkness anymore. We are to walk in the light that God gives us This light is the knowledge of God. This light is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul encourages us to walk in it, and as we do, then we expose the deeds of darkness because light shines through the darkness and exposes everything in the dark. That is the idea that Paul is trying to gather us up around today. We are to walk as children of light in this dark world. All right? But you were darkness. Notice that in verse 8. For you were formerly darkness. It does not say you were formerly in darkness. You were darkness. You were without the knowledge of God. You were not where you were supposed to be in God's creation. You were born into sin, separated from Him. And His light has been shining all around you in your life. And all of a sudden, this new birth came to you. This profound change happened in your life because you were born again into the kingdom of God. And this is a change that the light shined on you. You were darkness, but now you are light. As God created the darkness, um, created light out of the darkness, so He created you out of darkness into His kingdom through the light of the gospel. We are to be changed. I remember going to Missouri up in the southwest corner of Missouri. I forget the name of the cave, but I took my grandsons and Gail, and we went up there and went in this cave, and the guy. 
the guide put us on a little train pulled by a jeep and we were riding through there and they had lights on and he started talking about people living in the cave way back when and and then he made everybody scared about a guy that still lived in the cave you know and so man my grandson's about this tall they're boasting bragging they're going to take care of this guy in this cave if they find him and that God shut all the lights off. And then boys sucked on me like three ticks on a hound dog. <laughs> and and uh, you could put your hand right here, you couldn't see anything in that cave. That was total darkness. And then he turned those lights back on and we were all able to see. And those boys finally relaxed a little bit. The Bible says you were formerly darkness. You could not see the things of God. You weren't even interested in the things of God. You could not see that you needed a Savior. You were not interested in a Savior that you needed. You had no desire for it. You were avoiding the idea of eternal death separated from God. Why? Because you were darkness. But God. My favorite words in the whole Bible. But God changed that for us. And He shined on us that light of the Gospel. And He brought us to a place where we could see and understand. And we desired to be right with Him. We desired to be His children. We desired to be in heaven. We saw by the light shining on us that we were guilty. I was not concerned about my guilt until the light of God shined on me and my guilt stuck out like a sore thumb. I was guilty before a holy God. I also saw by the light that, I, that His Son was sufficient for my salvation. Jesus is enough. He is sufficient to give us that salvation. I now have a new desire for God and His Word, just like many of you in this room and many of you watching at home, you have a new desire for the Word of God and to know Him and to understand Him. In fact, we have a hatred for our old life. I hate the person that I used to be. I hate the man that I was at one time. I love what the Savior has done for me now. Now we walk in light as light because God has made us light. I want you to see that you are not walking in light necessarily. You are light. Amen. Jesus said that, didn't He? You are the light of the world. He didn't say you are walking in the light of the world. You are that light. When God's light shines on us who were darkness, that light makes us light. And now we are the knowledge of God in this world. When the world looks at you, they see your representation of God, of Jesus. How are you doing at that? How are you upholding that in your life? Do your family and friends and neighbors see Christ in you? Or do they see a pretender? Do they see someone who claims it, but doesn't possess it. You are light. Let the gospel shine through your life. Now because you are light, is no guarantee that you're going to live it as light. 
So we have to be careful about that, that we are the light of God and that we do not live as darkness while we claim to be children of God. Look in verse 9. For the fruit of the light, your King James Bible says spirit there. Light is better supported in this context. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Okay? Notice verse 9 is a parenthesis. I'll get into that in just a minute. But for the fruit of the light, fruit takes time to develop. You don't plant a cherry tree and then go out the next day and get cherries off of it. It takes time to grow and it takes time to develop that fruit. Same for you and I. When we're born again, we have the ability now to live a godly life, but it takes some time to develop that, to bring that out as fruit, to let that be seen and to be heard and to be known and shown among our friends and family. The first attribute there is goodness. Now we know the Bible teaches us none of us are good necessarily, but the Goodness that is referred to here is not necessarily your goodness. It is an attribute of God to be good. Therefore, if God is light and you are light, then you are striving to be godly. Therefore, you will be good because He is good. All right? You're not good to earn your way to heaven. No one can be good enough to earn their way to heaven. But you are good as a Christian because God is good. Alright? How do I become good? What, what does that entail me to be good at? It's not to be good at something. It's to be good to others. We look at God as being good. Why? Because He's good to us. So God is asking you not to be good to earn your way He's asking you to be good to other people. He's asking you to be, have a concern for other people. A concern for their well-being. A concern for them spiritually. A concern for them physically. This is what God wants you to do by walking as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness. God says be good because I'm good. Take care of people. Look out for their benefit. Look out for their best interest. The second thing that he sees, well, let me give you an example of being good in this context. Jesus went into the temple and the money changers were cheating the people and they were selling sacrificial animals at a high cost and it went all over him. That his people were being cheated by these men in this setting. The Bible says he took out a cord and he cleansed that temple. He ran them out. Now we think of that as a scene of righteous indignation. But you see, Jesus is good. And therefore his concern for the people coming to worship was for their good. And he cleansed that temple as an act of goodness. You see that? You being good doesn't mean that you're being passive. It doesn't mean that you're being meek. 
You being good means you stand up and you take charge of being good. Of doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. That is being good in a godly way. Cleansing the temple, Jesus did an act of goodness. Here we see the same way. Also in verse 9, we see the word righteous, all right? For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness. What does that mean? Well, we tie righteousness to the uh, attribute of God. And certainly goodness was, certainly righteousness is. But it is in reference to that you and I are straightforward. When I go to God, I don't have to wonder what side of the bed He got up on today. I know... God is the same every day. Day in, day out, He never changes. He's straightforward. I don't have to guess if i got to tippy-toe around God today or if I can just bust in the throne room boldly. Okay? I don't have to worry about that because He doesn't change. He's straightforward. That's what He expects of you. To live righteously means you're a man of your word. To live righteously, you have integrity. Integrity is you acting godly when no one's watching but you. That's integrity. When you can live it by yourself or in front of a crowd, that's a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. That is being righteous. Righteous is really conforming to God's standard that I find in this Word. Alright? When I conform, when I bend my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I conform myself to His standard of living found in these Scriptures, then that leads us to righteous living. Righteousness. That's what God says. Light consists of goodness and righteousness. It has one more there. You all see it. It is truth. Truth would be then in contrast to being deceived. Go back in verse, uh, uh, chapter 4 again with me. Chapter 4 in verse 22. Alright, let's look at that. It says there, That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. God says light consists of goodness, righteousness and truth and how and now we find in contrast to truth we find deception you and I used to live in deception you know what before I became a believer and let me let me rephrase it before I became a true believer of God I always believed that God existed I never I never got my head wrapped around coming from an ape. Okay? I just couldn't go there. So I've always believed that God was there. I just didn't know Him. But in that belief about God, I had Clay's concepts. I compartmentalized God. I said, this is how God would be in this situation. This is how God would be. And this is how God would be. And this is how God... And then some... Yahoo from the church came to me and said, that ain't right. And I said, yes it is. This is how I see God being. And he said, that's all good and well, Clay, for you. Well, not really, but that's your choice. 
to come up with your own ideas about what God is. He took me and he opened a Bible in front of me and he said, let's see what God says about himself. And I began to read the scripture with him. And I realized that all of my pre-composed ideas about God weren't true. I don't tell God how God's going to be. God tells me how he is. I have to accept or reject that. Rejection ends in hell. Reception ends in Christ. So when I was 34 years old, I threw away all my ideas about God and I took His on. And I became a believer and I was saved. And I received Jesus Christ as my Lord. You see, truth... What is truth? Man, our society is so fouled up on truth today. You can call any hotline, go on any internet site, and you can find what they say is truth. But for real, absolute truth, you've got to go right here in the Scripture. Light. Light is consisting of goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, that's what you and I must be willing to accept and surrender to. As children of light, we learn then what pleases God. Now, here we go with this parentheses thing that I mentioned earlier. Verse 9 is in the middle of our text, and it's uh, got parentheses on each end of it. So, let's read the text, verse 8 and 10, without the parentheses, all right? Verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, parentheses just add emphasis. Give us a little tidbit of information. I'm not telling you to take that out of your Bible. I'm helping you to understand it a little better by not reading the parentheses for that moment. So we were darkness, but now we're light. And what do we do as light? We try to please the Lord. He's just telling you in verse 9 what the light is. He's telling you in verse 10 what you're supposed to be doing with it. We are trying to please the Lord. Now, our English language takes trying to, and it translated the Greek word for that into trying to. But that same Greek word also means prove. P-R-O-V-E. In fact, in... Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God. So here, we translated it, trying to please. But I want you to think of it as your life proving what God's will is. Your life proving what is pleasing to God. As you live in light with goodness, righteousness, and truth, you will find that your life is pleasing to Him. That's the whole idea. That's what we really want, is it not? To be pleasing to God, to let Him see our life and to be smiling upon us and looking down upon us and blessing us in that respect. I certainly don't want to be unpleasing to God. So this light and me walking in it, verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing 
to the Lord, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. I do not prove that by my feelings. One day I'm going to feel on cloud nine. The next day, I'm not even going to want to get out of the bed. So how am I to judge whether I'm pleasing to God like that? You don't do it by your feelings, okay? You don't please God by how you feel. You don't please Him by your conscience. Oh, my conscience is telling me this. Your conscience has been misinformed, okay? Your conscience can be misinformed. Get on any internet site. They'll misinform you, all right? Don't take that as conscience. Take this as conscience. So we don't please God by our feelings. We don't please Him by our conscience. How do we please Him? By understanding His Word. That's what He wants us to do. Understand His Word. Pleasing the Lord is different between an unbeliever and a believer. Let me give you an example. You can have a person who doesn't believe, who is not a Christian. Like me, for instance, before I was a Christian, I believed in God, but I did not know Him. So let's say that we, you know someone like that. And they're a good, upstanding citizen. They are kind. They are gentle. They are generous. They are upright. They are doing everything orderly. You think, man, this is a swell person. But he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. So what's his motive in all of that goodness? It's self-driven motive. Amen? He's not being good to you for you. He's being good to you for Him. He's got an ulterior motive in all of His goodness as an unbeliever. But you take a believer in Christ and a Christian who is saved, that self-driving motive goes out the window and now he's trying to please his Lord. So his goodness towards you is not benefiting him, it's benefiting him. See that? When Jesus said, you are light, you are the light of the world, so let your light shine so that men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. They're not going to glorify you by your good works because you're going to give the glory to the Father and they're going to give the glory to the Father because of your goodness as you trying to please God. So we try to please and find out what pleases God by being obedient to His Word. That is the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. So the first idea this morning is that as children of light, we are to walk as light in this darkened world. Now, the second thing I want you to see in our text, as children of light, we are to expose the deeds of darkness. Now we're getting to the question I asked you at the beginning of the service. What do I do when somebody pulls out an immoral magazine or tells an immoral joke? Well, here's what Paul says, verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. What do you do? You can turn around and walk away and not hang out with that crowd. Now, what have you done doing that? You've taken that second extreme and you're disconnecting from the world and now you have no impact. I'm not telling you to hang out and look at the pictures or listen to the joke. But I'm telling you also, don't walk away without saying something. Okay? Because as children of light, you are to expose the deeds of darkness. 
Verse 7. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Verse 11. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Wow, Paul, Paul gives us a great big task there, doesn't he? All right, now let's accomplish that task. And I've got some things that will help us do that. Don't be partakers with them, all right? But instead, we are to expose them, right? How do I expose them? I expose them by the life that I live in the words that I say. That's how we can expose them. Here's what Jesus said about a topic similar in John chapter 3. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. You're probably only going to have to say it one time, and I'll guarantee you that guy won't whip that magazine out in front of you again. All you've got to do is say it one time. All right? Don't turn around and walk off without saying something. Okay? Jesus said it. They won't come to the light because they're afraid their deeds are exposed. You are light. Amen? You may only have to do it one time. Surely you've got enough courage to do that one time. How should we live? By exposing the sins of others. How do I do that? Well, one way I do that is I expose uh, the sin of others by maintaining a proper separation. Proper separation. Not just separation. Proper separation. Listen, if you become like them and you try to share a message that is different... You have no message, right? If you try to hang out with that crowd and you want to reach them for the Lord, but at the same time you really don't say anything about it and you end up becoming like them, then you have no message to share with them. And I would ask you this. If you're claiming Christ and you hang out with that kind of crowd, please... Don't mention him again. Because you are taking his name and you're wallowing it in sin. You're just mixing it up with Satan and his anti-Christ life. If you're going to hang out with that crowd, if you're going to go to all these parties, if you're going to do this and do that and you're going to act like that, don't tell them that you're a Christian. Don't tell them you go to Heron Springs Baptist Church. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be different. And so we have an opportunity and an obligation to fulfill that. Here's what Peter said about it in his text. Two screens, read it with me or follow with me as I read. Peter writes, for the time already is past. I'm sorry, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Paul says, look at your past. You had plenty of time, or Peter says, you had plenty of time to carry out those deeds where you once lived. All right? For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousals, 
drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they shall give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Paul said, your old life had a way plenty of time to accomplish all that, but now you're light. And now you wonder why they think you don't run with them anymore. Why? Because you are light. And you're not going to live like that anymore. And so Paul or Peter writes to us, and Paul writes to us here, that as Christians, we are to live to please God through being good, through being righteous, and through truth. And we expose the dirty lives of those around us by simply being the light in a dark place. You expose them by maintaining a proper separation. All right? You don't do it. You don't participate. All right? You, 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 uh, you walk away, but you say something. You don't want to live like that anymore. You expose them also by maintaining a proper contact. So you've got to live separate, and you've got to live in contact with them. Now, give me a minute, and we'll look at these guidelines. You can't go out of the world because you'll lose contact with them, right? You have to stay in the world as Jesus was in the world. But Jesus prayed that the Father would keep us from the evil one. And He will while we live in this darkened, godless world and society that we see the United States becoming. I get so tired of commercials at prime time that I get disgusted to the point of turning my television off. What if I had my five-year-old granddaughter in there watching one of these commercials? And she comes to Grandpa and says, what are they talking about? And i got to explain that. There is an age when that's appropriate, but it ain't five years old. Okay? So I get disgusted with it, and our society is on a, a, a rail right down into hell if we don't change something. And you and I are the light that God gave this world to be changed by. And so I have to maintain a separation from it, but at the same time I remain in contact with it so that I can shine that light. So here are some principles to go by. Number one, be on guard. Paul wrote, bad company corrupts good morals. In other words, when you become a Christian... Your best friends shouldn't be going to the casino and drinking parties. And you going with them. When you become a Christian, you have to break that relationship. What has light to do with darkness? What has Christ to do with Satan? What has righteousness to do with unrighteousness? Think about that. You have to break, you have to keep uh, contact, but you have to break separation. You have to have this balance in your life. And so your best friends can't be somebody who is not a believer. You need to come to church and find friends who are believers and you have things in common with them. There's a scarlet thread running through this church building. Alright? All of us are from different families and different ways and different means and different ideas. But in this building, there's a scarlet thread running through every heart. 
connecting us all together. Amen. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He called us out of the world and called us to come here and be His family at Aaron Springs Baptist Church. We have friends outside of these walls, but they're not my best friends. The best people I know are Christian people. Okay? The best people you should know are Christian people. Maintain contact but they should not be your running buddy anymore. All right? Be on guard. Number two, be alert to your purpose. What is your purpose? Christ told us, make disciples. Jesus came into this world to seek and to save. That was, was lost. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners. Now, I could fit into that group, Brother Clay. I could fit into the friend of sinners. Let me burst your bubble. He didn't hang out with the sinner so that he could have a good time with them. Okay? He wasn't doing it like that. Jesus was friend of sinners so that he could win them to himself. So that he could change their heart and lead them to Christ. That is your purpose. I maintain separation, but I maintain contact. Why? My purpose is to win the lost to Christ. To witness to them. To talk about them. Talk about Him to them. On top of that, then, I must be sensitive to them. Alright? There, I would talk differently to a drunk than I would a doctor. Amen? I would talk differently to an old friend I used to have to, than to a new friend that I've just met. You have to be sensitive to the needs of people as you witness to them. The gospel is different to that old drunk than it is to a rich doctor who doesn't need God, right? So you have to be sensitive and be aware of how that plays out and share that with them. So I want to have a purpose, I want to be on guard, and I want to be sensitive. And the last thing I want you to see is that I must not compromise. I must be bold in my witness. Now, let's talk about the guy at work pulls out the magazine. You don't have to look at it, but you can just stand there and look at him. And we'll say, what are you looking at? And you can say, I just wanted you to know that I'm not going to look at that because it offends me. And it offends my Lord. And then if he responds, you respond. If he walks away, you let him go. Okay? Be co-equal in your support of what you believe and stand on. As he defends his actions, you defend yours. Co-equal. If he wants to rant and rave, you rant and rave. In a godly way. Okay? In a goodness of cleansing the temple way. Amen? Don't push the issue. Don't try to embarrass him in front of people. You just let him know that you're offended by that, and your Lord certainly is, and then you let him respond. And if he wants to respond, and he wants to stand on his immorality, you stand on Christ, and don't back down. How many of you cheer for the thunder? Come on. Be honest. Okay. How many of you used to cheer for the thunder? Aha! Uh -huh. 
We used to cheer for them because they were winning. But now we don't cheer for them as much because they're losing. This guy with the magazine, in case you didn't know, is losing. But yet he will stand on his immorality and be bold about it. And here we are standing on the winning team. And we won't be bold about that. We won't stand and cheer for Jesus Christ in front of people like that. Come on, church. That's what Paul is saying to you this morning. As light, walk as children of light. Be bold about it. Paul had to pray for boldness, that he would speak the gospel with boldness. Certainly, if this great apostle had to do that, then you and I, needed as well. I pray for you, church, every day that you would be bold in your witness for Jesus Christ. I pray that for you. I want you to pray that yourself. Be bold for him. Walk as children of light. Be separate from them, but keep them in contact so that you can have an impact in their life. Man, Paul gave us some great scripture today, didn't he? The Lord gave us great scripture through the apostles I pray today that you would take it to heart and start walking as children of light. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask you to bless this moment. As many here in this room are making a decision right now about their boldness, about what they feel that you would have them to do, about how they are trying to prove and to prove the life that you've given them in the light of the gospel. Lord, help us never to be ashamed of you always to cheer you on in front of the world.